Well, good morning, church. How are we? Pretty good. Sounds good. Good. <laughs> Today, as we continue our uh, our Christmas series, Christmas Dilemma, uh, we're going to look at the innkeeper and, and, and his part in the in the story and uh, we're going to look at a lot of different things in, in this passage if you got your bibles and i hope you do turn to uh, luke chapter 2 uh, that's where we're going to be luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 uh, but as we go there as we think about these things all these things uh, that we're going to read about today and uh, points us to to history uh, points us to a time in history that that split history Amen. Uh, before Christ, it was B.C. and after is A.D. So uh, today, as we look into this, uh, let's ask God just to really speak into our hearts uh, the truth of his word. So uh, Luke chapter 2, looking at verse 1 through 7, it goes like this. And in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration where Quintus, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the, the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Father, uh, as we, we come before you now, uh, Father, and we read your holy word, Father, we ask that you would just speak it into our hearts. Uh, Lord, that you would open our eyes to, uh, to see the truths that you want us to see today. And Lord, as we leave this place, as, as you have changed the world, Lord, we pray that, uh, that we would be changed. Uh, that, Lord, we would look upon you and, and your glory and your grace, Lord, and, and we would, we'd, be, we'd be called to be more and more like you today. Father, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, God, we pray that today you would speak into their hearts, and, Father, they would come to know the truth and come to follow you and love you as you have first loved us. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as, as we look at the, uh, this account in Luke the, uh, of, of Jesus' birth, uh, it shows us that God uh, uses all, kind, all people in the world. He uses the saved and he uses the unsaved uh, to accomplish his will in his perfect timing. Everything that we have in these scriptures, everything that God has given us, he's given us for a reason. We might not be able to see them at certain times, but other times it just comes clear as God brings forth his truth to us. As we look at this scripture, first we see uh, them talking about Caesar Augustus and, and, and Quintus. And we see, and we, as we talk and talk and look at history and see uh, Caesar Augustus, we see that he came uh, 
to be uh, in rule of the uh, the Roman Empire, uh, you you might recognize his great uncle uh, or his stepfather, uh, which would come to be uh, by a name by the name of Julius Caesar. All right. Anybody remember that name, uh, Julius Caesar? He, he, you know, he he was a great Caesar. But until what? He he was assassinated uh, by by other people in in his government. Then we see some different times a a, a rebellion, all kinds of things happening. Can you imagine government having troubles? Anybody? Well, this. This, this whole thing, you know, Caesar, he was assassinated in 44 B.C. And then Octavius ruled, and there's all kinds of power struggles and dramas that, that came along with him. And then they kind of split the, the, the kingdom into two different territories. And uh, Marcus uh, Lipidus uh, took one, and then you will remember the name of this other guy who took the other territory, Mark Antony. And, and Marcus, and his, he, he didn't do a very good job. And his, he was pushed out and pushed into exile and, and, and to, to, to quit his position. And then Mark Antony, you know, he, uh, he committed suicide after the defeat of the Battle of uh, Octidium in uh, 31 B.C. So, so then Caesar Augustus moves in to become the new emperor the coming to Caesar uh, he moved the, uh, the this Roman empire to be a republic and restored order and he ruled from 27 BC until 14 AD now you're thinking uh, what does this have to do with anything we're going to get there the second name that we see in our scripture is Quarentus uh, 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 and he was a Roman aristocrat. He 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 was a guy who who was given the territory of Syria. And as we read that in our Bible, then we were thinking, why 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 is it mentioning this guy? Who uh, what does that have to do with Israel? What does that have to do with Judea? What does that have to do with the birth of Christ? Well, after the banishment of Herod, uh, uh, Quintus became the legal person over that providence of Judea for the very purpose of seeing and making sure that the census went well. So all these historical figures, and, 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 and as I was reading that story, and as I was thinking, you know, why, why did God place these names here? Why, is, why does God show us these things? And, and then a thought come into my head, and, and as, as have you has has anybody ever questioned Caesar Augustus' existence? Has anybody ever questioned these people in history, even though there's not much that is written about them? No. Uh, the truth is, people, people people don't even question that part. The, but people do question the existence of Jesus. Even though that we have all different kinds of documents that, that point to Jesus, biblical and non-biblical. Why is that? Well, it simply comes down to this, my friends, is that you have to make a choice in what you're going to do with Jesus. The truth is that the Bible is all truth. 
And the pr- truth is, in the ar- uh, archaeological facts, the digs, the finds, the truths, and, and the things that point us to these people, to, uh, to Caesar Augustus and all the others, is that they were true and real people who ruled. But all it is true that Jesus is who he says he is. In the midst of all these things, the end, it comes down to each individual, every encounter that we have, every individual person here in this room and around the world today has to make a decision. What are you going to do with Jesus? As we look at the birth account of Jesus Christ, it, it causes us, it, 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 I don't know about you, but it, it makes me wish that, that every detail of the story was written down, right? Don't you see that? I mean, we just had the whole book of how Jesus was born and every detail about it was there and, and how this happened and how that happened. But God chose to leave some things out and he did that I, I, for, for his reasons, but his purpose. But what it does is it gives us a sense of wonder of, of what God was doing and, and how is things actually accomplished? For us, not knowing certain things, uh, uh, it points us to realize and see exactly what we do know. We know for certain that there was not room for them in the end. So, so we know that, that Joseph, when he pulled up on his, his donkey or his camel or whatever it was, he, he went inside and he checked, do you, do you guys have any free rooms available? They said, and then one of two things happened, you know, he said, well, you know, we don't have anything. Well, my wife is pregnant. I really need something. Surely we've got something, right? Each and every one of us know this by just being human. That the, the account or, or, or the things that happened when, when Joseph was looking for this in, that he was treated probably one of two ways. Number one, the encounter that he had uh, when he walked into this busy inn that had no rooms was there was somebody in that place that was overwhelmed, full of all these people coming in the census, had no time. And therefore he was rude and, and he was harsh and he was cold and he was dismissive of Joseph and he just closed the door. Could happen. We've all been treated that way. The encounter when he went into that end was a person who, who, who was overwhelmed with all these people, all these things that came into his life, and then all the busyness that was going around. But he saw Jesus, he saw Mary, and knew that he had to help him some way, somehow, even if he had to take his shirt off of his own back. You ever been around people like that? They would do anything they possibly could for you. One thing that life has taught us all is that Joseph encountered one of these two types. The other thing that we know for certain as as we think about this story is that we see the sovereignty of God. We see that no matter how or what kind of person that Joseph encountered in trying to find a room for Mary, God was moving him to his perfect place, his perfect time, and his perfect will. Either way, God was moving his plan forward to bring redemption into the world. Paul drives for us in Galatians chapter 4, verse 5, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might 
receive adoption as sons. We think about the innkeeper. Uh, we think that there's, there's no way that he understood what was happening. There's no, there's no way that he could understand that the fullness of time had come. That Mary was about to give birth to her son. And this son was the Messiah, the Savior, who had come on this night to be born. Luke 2, 6 says, And while they were there, the time for her to give birth. The time came for her to give birth. Let us not overlook the subtleties, the, the little things of the story. Because God's design, God's plan is pointing us to something so much more than we can imagine. God's Son, the Savior of the world, and His purpose is in every detail of the story. God is pointing us to His glory. God is pointing us to His grace. But God is also at the same time pointing us to His plan of redemption for all those who would love Him. I... I'm truly blessed to, a couple of years ago, be able to go to Israel and, and, and tour, uh, tour the country. Uh, it, was, it was just a, a, a blessing that God put in our hearts. There were a couple of families that uh, decided that they wanted to send pastors that had never been to uh, Israel to Israel before. So I got my way paid for to go there. And uh, I was there with about 35 other pastors. And it was just an amazing trip to see uh, and, and walk where Jesus walked. And, and I can tell you that... That I, I, my favorite places in Israel would be Caesarea uh, and, and just seeing the water and, and, the, and the, the ruins there and, 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 and the beauty of it. Uh, I, I loved uh, the, the land, the Sea of Galilee. But my most favorite part place would be uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. And it, it just, just, just amazing sitting there and praying there, knowing that Jesus should drops of blood as he sweat in agony of what he was going to do. If you ever get an opportunity to go there, I, I highly recommend it. But also, when we were there, we saw uh, the places uh, that they say different things happened and uh, the places uh, uh, where they say Jesus was born. Uh, I, I don't believe, actually, that Jesus was born where they, they think he was born. It, would, it, it could be. But that really doesn't matter because the, the truth of the story is, is that the story is not pointing us exactly to where he was born, but why he was born. The, the truth of, of, of is that Jesus' birth was also pointing to his death. As we see in the scriptures that the fullness of time, Jesus was born. And he was born in this, this, this humble state. In Bethlehem, you see on the screen, is, is a picture of the place where they say that Jesus was actually born. Uh, there's a place called the Church of the Nativity. As you go into this Church of Nativity, you walk and you're in this big line. and There's all kinds of people going down to this spot. And, and they take you down into this cave. And down into this cave, uh, they have overlaid this place with marble. And uh, in the middle of that marble is the, the silver star. And they say, this is exactly where Jesus was born. I'm not so certain that that is exactly where Jesus is born. It, it, it could be. But what we know from the scriptures is this, that he was laid in a manger. Now, archaeolo archaeologists, they, they, they're, they're finding 
things from Jesus' period all the time. And in, in Galilee, they, they found a, a remnant of, of, of what they believed was an inn and what the inns would look like in that time. And, and, and what they did was the inns, they, they had this compound where, where there'd be rooms, kind of like a, a hotel that we ha- would have now, but in the backside they have these places, these mangers, these places where they would keep the animals of the travelers. When you think about it, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, that people were traveling, they were traveling with uh, their horses, their camels, their donkeys, whatever. They needed a place to keep those animals at night. So, so out back of the inn was possibly this place where uh, the animals were supposed to stay that, that they put, Joseph and Mary. But no matter where exactly Jesus was born, the point is that they laid him in a manger. What, what is a manger? And here, here's a picture of what a manger would look like. In, in those days, it was just a, a, a piece of stone that had been cut out where, where you could put your feed and your hay and your different things for your animals to, to, to feed off of. In this little place. What we see is that after Jesus was born, they laid him in a manger just like that. But the point is, what Jesus is, and what God is showing us in this is that he's not just pointing us to these humble beginnings of where Jesus was put, but he's pointing us to the future. They also tell us that they know where Jesus' tomb is. And inside Jesus' tomb, it just looks like that. So Jesus, being born as an infant, was laid in a cold stone manger but as Jesus died he was going to be laid on a stone cold slab Jesus was born to be the light of the world Jesus was not born and placed inside of a warm crib but he was born and he's placed inside this manger pointing us to the future. And likewise, the, the, the scripture is specific to tell us that, that they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. As we get this picture of, of swaddling clothes, it, it, it wasn't a onesie like we put our kids in today. It, it was these pieces of, of, of cloth that they would wrap the infants together and, and they would wrap them up tightly to, to keep them from, from moving around. But not only is his squaddling clothes a reminder to us of, of, of how Jesus was born, but it's a reminder to us of how Jesus lied in his death. The burial clothes, they would wrap the people in a similar way like the infants were. The burial clothes would be wrapped. They'd use these swaddling clothes to wrap them up tight. And they'd lay them there in that manger, or that, that, that slab, that tomb. Jesus was born the light of the world. The very first moments of Jesus' life point us to his death. 
the, the very first time that Jesus came into the world after he was born and, and his cry rang out as, as, as the angels came and, and they declared God's glory in front of the shepherds that we saw last week. As, as, as everything moved into the world and, and Jesus cries out as an infant child, what we see here is not a declaration of, of just a, ch- a child being born, but it is a declaration of war upon the, the sin and death of this world. It's a declaration of war against evil and, 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 the, and the things that bring us down and separate us from God. It's a declaration that God has come into the world to declare victory over sin and death. Jesus is the light of the world. And from the very beginning, the very first images of who he is in the world is pointing us to what he's going to do for us. This was the shot heard round the world. You wonder if the innkeeper, if the guest realized that night exactly what was going on. I wonder what the feelings, what the atmosphere was like. I wonder if the stars were just brighter. We know that there was stars pointing uh, the, the magi to them. But what, how, what was that night like? We don't know for sure and our minds wonder. But what we do know for sure is that God was pointing us to the future that a Savior had been born into the world, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The truth is that somebody helped Mary and Joseph and Jesus find a place. Perhaps it was out back in the stables of that inn because there wasn't any room for them in the end. But the innkeeper's great dilemma was this. Was preparing a place for him. Finding a place for Jesus. Folks, the great dilemma of our world today is the same. Have you found a place for Jesus? Have you prepared a place in your heart for Jesus? There is always going to be craziness in the world. Just as we saw uh, the, the Roman Empire, there's always going to be people uh, in the world that want to rule the world and, 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 and just be in control of this world. Uh, there's always going to be chaos. There's always going to be things in, in this, this world that are craziness. There's always going to be things in this world that are going to point you and, 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 and try to engulf you into things uh, other than Jesus. There's going to be things in this world that, that, that move you to, to your selfish desires, your, your passions, your things. They're going to try to, to, to totally get you to think not about God or his things, but only about yourself and only about your way and your family's way and your things. But the truth is that God is pointing us to him. God is still declaring his glory in the world. He is shining forth in light. And in that light, you are either drawing near it or you are going against it. But no matter what you choose, no matter what you decide to do with Jesus, understand this, and don't let this get by you, that no matter what you go ahead and do, God, in his fullness of time, is going to come back. 
He is going to finish what he has started. In the fullness of time, he is going to return. There was another sign. As we see the signs of Jesus' birth pointing us to his death, there's another sign that we see at his death that is pointing to his return. You know, as, as Mary came back and told him Jesus isn't there, Peter and John, they, they ran to the tomb. And, and as they got to the tomb, in, in John 20, verse 7, we see, And the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. You know, we, 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 we look at that and we think about that. What, what does this have to do? What, what is this? Why is this here? Remember, there's nothing insignificant in the Bible. There's nothing that God doesn't place there for a reason. In Jewish custom, when a person got up from the table, if they weren't done, if they had just had to go do something, they were coming back, guess what they did? They folded up their cloth, their napkin, and they placed it there on the table. Meaning, the meaning was, I'm coming back. I believe with all my heart. That's why that cloth there at the tomb was folded up like that. Jesus was not there, but he was leaving them a sign and said, Hey, I'm coming back. God is pointing us to himself in everything he does. The question to you today is this. Are you ready? Have you prepared a place? Is there a room for Jesus in your life? Love that the choir led us off this morning with uh, joy to the world. So you look at those words and joy to the world, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. The joy that has come into the world is that a Savior has been born to us. But not only did this Savior be born unto us, but this Savior lived out a perfect life. And this Savior gave up that perfect life upon the cross. And in so doing, he, he shed his blood and making an atonement, covering all of your sin and shame, if you believe. Not only that, but he was buried. He was uh, put into this tomb. And on the third day, he rose again. And not only that, but in the fullness of time, when God says, go, Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Have you prepared? Father, we, we just come before you today and as, as we look at, at your story, as we look at the gospel of the good news, Father, I am astounded in my humanness, <laughs> my humility of just how much you love us and the great lengths that you went to to redeem us to yourself. But Father, I just ask that your will be done in our hearts. Father, I know that you are the light of the world and you are declaring your glory all around us, pointing us to yourself. Father, I pray that each and every person here today would, would see you and, and know your, your grace and your mercy. Father, if there is one here today that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that they would believe, trust in you, 
and surrender their life to you today. Father, if there are some here today that know you, but they know they just haven't been living for you, they find themselves not having room for you in their everyday lives. Father, I pray that as we talked about your love with our children, that you would point them in your love by convicting them of their sin and drawing them closer to you. Father, you are awesome. And as your word says, there's no condemnation in those who love Jesus. So, Father, I pray that as you're convicting all throughout this room, whatever it is, whatever sins that are in our hearts, God, as you convict us of those things, Father, that we would be obedient to you and we would lay those down and we ask for forgiveness of those sins. And then, Lord, that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit again. Oh, God, you're so good. And we're so thankful to have you. So, Father, speak to our hearts today. Draw us to to be in your will. Be the lamp unto our feet. We pray this in Jesus' name.